In 2 Corinthians, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, we talked last week about that first letter that he wrote. And the reason that he wrote the second about a year later is, to be honest with you, that the church received that first letter, and they didn't really pay much attention. They heard what he had to say, but they kept on living the same way. They kept walking down the same path. The sin was continuing to be pervasive in everything that they did. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was was challenged, encouraged to write another letter. And in this time, the letter took a little bit different tone, because in this letter, he needed not only to continue to encourage them to do the right thing, but now they were attacking Paul. Now they were challenging him as an apostle, challenging him as the one that had been called by Christ himself to go and to preach that message of the gospel. And so Paul spent time in this letter defending himself and defending his apostleship, defending the message that he had been preaching over and over again. And so here we are in this letter, an encouragement to the church at Corinth. He wrote this letter from Uh, from a different place. He wrote this letter as he traveled, writing back to the church at Corinth, pleading with them, get it right. Now today in this passage, as we walk through in 2 Corinthians, we're going to learn some things and hear some things that, to be quite honest with you, are things that we need to learn as well. Which, by the way, is pretty much the truth in every book that we study in God's Word. There is nothing that is found within this book that is given like, like randomly, nothing that is given here that is of no value and no worth to us. From Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, there is truth that can help us grow and help us learn and help us live the way God intended for us to live. And so today what we want to kind of spend some time looking at, talking about, is how that the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, he kind of gave them a, an important lesson that they needed to hear. A lesson they needed to hear because they were going through some difficulties as well. And while they certainly weren't living the way that they were intended to live, they also were experiencing persecution, opposition, sorrow, trials, and tribulations in the midst of their journey. And even though they were in one of the most important cities in all of the world at that time, they were facing great trial. And so we want to start today. In a moment, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but I want to start like right up front in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians and beginning with verse 3, because Paul kind of gives a picture of like, like what it is that we need to learn. And listen to these words. Blessed be the God, uh, the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you, and here is kind of the underlining statement of what we talk about today, as we share in the suffering, so you will also share in the comfort. Go back to verse 4 that we just read a moment ago. And it says here, He comforts us in all of our affliction. Now that word comfort there is the Greek word parakaleo, which literally means to come alongside. And that is such an important lesson that we as followers of Christ need to learn. 
Because what that teaches us, what it tells us is that no matter what you're going through, no matter the trial, no matter the tribulation, no matter how bad things might be, God promises to always be right by your side. That in the midst of trial, which is guaranteed, in the midst of the tribulation, which you can, you can write down, you can like take it to the bank, you're going to face difficult moments in your journey and in your life. God promises that there will be one, the Holy Spirit of God, that comes alongside, that He is our comforter, and that He will comfort us in our affliction. Be encouraged. No matter what you go through, God the Comforter is with you. And so Paul uses this statement right in, in, in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, in the beginning part of the letter, again in the, in the greeting moment of this letter, to say, guys, here's the deal, I know you're facing affliction, but when you face affliction, comfort will come. When you face trial, God will be with you. Now. That promise is something that we can lean on, but that promise also brings about a response, an action on our part, which is where we go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul gives us a picture of exactly how it is that we are to, in our trial and in our tribulation, how we can actually experience the comfort that God gives. And the first statement that he gives to us is this, is that joy and sorrow can coexist. That it seems like, in a human perspective, in our wisdom, in our thinking, there's no way that the two can coexist. But in fact, Paul teaches us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that while you are in the midst of a trial, you can also have joy. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. It says, uh, during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, let me just give you some context of what he's talking about. So Paul now has traveled on. He's up in Macedonia, and he's talking about the churches of Macedonia at that time, probably the church at Philippi, where he currently is writing this letter. And so he's talking to the church at Corinth, talking about the church at Philippi, and again, listen to the words that he says, during a severe trial brought about by affliction. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I think all of us can, we can kind of identify with that statement. A severe trial brought about by affliction. I think all of us have been in those kinds of moments in our lives. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, listen what doesn't make sense, but God gives to us in the very next statement. Their abundant joy. Now, you think about that statement for a moment because it kind of flies in the face of, uh, of human understanding. Like, how is it possible that in the midst of severe trial, in severe affliction, how is it that we can also have abundant joy? The two don't seem that they could actually mix, that they can be present in the same place. But yet God says, no, 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 they, they actually do. And so he's, Paul's talking about that church at Philippi. Listen, man, severe trial. Affliction that goes beyond anything that you can imagine or understand, extreme poverty. And guess what they experienced? Abundant joy. Paul wants us to understand, and it's so important that we get it because God gives to us this great gift that in our lives we will face severe trial and affliction. We've seen it this week. Families that right now are are waiting on the Air Force Base in Dover, Delaware for their families, for their their children to come home in caskets draped in flags. 
We've seen it take place around the nation in this last year and a half as families have had to say goodbye to people that they've loved dearly. We've seen it over and over and over again, the affliction and the trial. Understand in our journeys, in our lives, there will be severe trials. There will be affliction. There will be extreme pain and suffering. But while we are there, we can also experience abundant joy. And so this passage tells us during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy, their extreme poverty overflowed. And here's the key that you've got to understand. In a wealth of generosity on their part. You see what they recognize that in their giving, that's where they experience their getting. You see, so often when we're in the midst of a severe trial and affliction, we begin to ask questions of God. God, why? God, where were you? God, why did this happen? God, why am I going through this? God, what did you do to me? God, why did you abandon me? God, why did you walk away from me? God, why did you leave me all by myself? And yet what Paul wants us to understand here, that it's not in that moment that we face that severe trial that God has abandoned us. It's in that moment that what we experience is the great picture that In our lives, if we continue to recognize by giving and serving God, what comes from that is the presence of abundant joy. It doesn't make human sense. But God tells us that's exactly what happens. Joy and sorrow can coexist. Now, how is that? Paul goes on to tell us. Well, it's because joy is found in, in what we do and not what we have. Look what it says in verses 3 and 4. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord that they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Paul's talking again about the church at Philippi, the churches there in Macedonia. I can testify, he says, that not according to their ability but even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us to serve. They begged us to be a part of what's going on. Now listen, what's important is that that Paul has kind of given us the the unwritten statement here is that he kind of gave them a pass. That he kind of told the church at Philippi, listen, I know what you're going through. I know you're facing affliction. I know you're facing trial. So, hey, take a seat, relax, take a breath, just, you know, be encouraged, go have a seat over there and let me bless you. And so that's kind of the unwritten statement that we have here is that Paul gave them a pass in the midst of this moment. But what we see as a response to that is that the church said, oh, no, 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 because we understand the principles of God. They begged him to be involved in serving God. They begged him for the opportunity of doing for God. Why? Because they recognize that, that it's not in the giving, uh, the getting that we experience the presence of God. It's in the giving. There's nothing that brings more joy than when you have the opportunity of blessing someone, even when you're going through a trial yourself. I can tell you in this room, there's story after story of people that in the midst of some of the most difficult moments of their life, they've found some of the greatest moments of joy because they've used those moments to minister to others, to encourage others. And that's why we give you the opportunity to serve. Man, I could walk you across the street over here to our children's ministry. And I could take you in and talk to people like Anna Cunningham, who's been serving here in our nursery for decades. 
And we could ask her the question, like, I know Anna's been through some difficult times and journey uh, in her journey, some difficult moments in her life. And I, and I could ask her, hey, hey, have you been blessed by taking care of the kids of this church for all these years? And man, she would tell you and probably like would not stop talking about the great joy that she's found in serving. I could take you over and let you talk to Toy Hine. He's been serving at this church for like 40 plus years leading our iKids ministry, ministering to our special needs kids. And man, she does it faithful and she loves it, man. It's like she gets up in the morning thinking about, you know, ministering to those kids and, and blessing those families. And yet in this year, I could also tell you that Toy has gone through an experience where her grandson's been battling leukemia. I could tell you how that in just the last few months that her daughter married and has three kids down in Charlotte that, that her son-in-law, her daughter's husband, dropped dead suddenly of a heart attack, leaving those three children and that wife, her daughter, without a husband and a dad, and the pain and the suffering that they've been through as a family. And yet in the midst of all of that suffering, when they had every reason to sit back and do nothing, what Toy has been doing is serving. Why? Because Toy understands that it's in the midst of our greatest trials and our greatest tribulations and our greatest suffering that God will use us and bless us and bring us the greatest joy when we serve through our pain, when we give through our pain, when we minister to others in the midst of our pain. You see, it's not in the getting that we find joy. It's in the giving. So Paul makes it clear like, yes, joy and sorrow can coexist. Absolutely. You can find abundant joy in the midst of our severe trials and affliction. And then he brings it down in the next couple of verses. And basically he says this, it all begins in giving it everything to him. Look what verse 5 says. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. You see, the churches there at Philippi had recognized that everything they had good or bad, every situation, everything in their life, it was all God's. It all belonged to God. Everything belonged to God. So often in our journey, we get to the place where we have our, our God box and then we have our other box. We have the stuff over here that we think that, like, that we've done and that we have and, and we've gotten by our own abilities and our own talents. And, and then there's the stuff over here that, that's blessings from God and, and our service for God. And we separate the two. But what we've got to recognize is that everything that we are comes from God. Everything that we do, it comes from God. Our existence comes from God. We are nothing more than managers, stewards of what God has blessed us with, which is why 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, moreover, it is required of stewards, of managers like you and me, that we be found faithful. The churches at Philippi recognize that. Paul writes that here. That first they gave everything to God, like, God, here we are. God, with all of our, our good and our bad, our problems and our pain, our sorrow and our affliction, God, here it is. Here is all of us, God. It is all yours. We give ourselves to you completely. Recognizing that is truth. Everything belongs to God. The problem that we have is so often in our journey, we forget that. We're willing to give God a little. We're willing to serve God a little. 
We're willing to give him like a slice of our lives, and that's not what God intends. That's not what God wants. That's not what God desires. What God wants from us is all, and that's where we find the joy. It begins in giving everything to him. And so Paul makes it clear in this passage, it all begins when giving everything to him. But then in verse 7, he goes on to tell us that growing in him is important, but going for him is also important. Look what it says, verse 7. Now, as you excel in everything, speaking to the church of Corinth, as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. In other words... So yes, absolutely, growing in your faith is important. Spending time in God's Word, yes, that's important. Spending time in prayer, you bet, that's important. Being part of a church, that is important. All of those things are critical. So yes, grow in your knowledge. Yes, grow in your faith. Yes, grow in your understanding. Yes, grow in your love. But then he also says, but also excel in this too. And that is the act of grace. Now, this word excel. The better translation of this word is not really excel. It really is like the word abound, like overflowing, like more than you can imagine, more than you can possibly understand. And so he says here, like, so while you abound in your knowledge, while you abound in your love, while you abound in your diligence, while you abound in your faith, abound also in this act of grace. Now, you know what grace is, right? Grace is unmerited favor, something you don't deserve, right? And so he says abound in grace. But he doesn't just say abound in something that's not deserved, abound in grace. He says abound in the act of grace. So what God is telling us is this, it's like do for God, for others, what maybe they don't even deserve. And he says this, and don't just do it like a little bit, abound in it. Like do it big. He's basically saying, like, go big or go home. Like, like, overflow in your service to God. Overflow in showing this act of grace to people. Because that is where we see, that's where we find this picture of what it really means to have joy in the midst of the sorrow of life. Of what it means to find joy when you're going through severe affliction and trial. Abound in the acts of grace. And then Paul gives us in verse 9, like, hey, let me give you an example. Let me give you an illustration, Paul says. And man, it's a great example because he gives us Christ as our example. Look what it says in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you may become rich. Did you catch the illustration? Did you catch the example that Paul gave to us? So Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Christ who was there at the beginning of creation. At the very foundations of the earth that Jesus was there. And Jesus in the splendor of heaven, right at the right hand of the Father, the right hand of God. That he left heaven and he who was rich, he became poor. He left the splendors of heaven to come to this earth. And he emptied himself, the kenosis of Christ. He emptied himself for us so that by his poverty that we can become rich. Not in the context of the, what we think of rich. Not money. He didn't come so that we could be wealthy. He came so that we could have something that was far greater than wealth, and that is the promise of eternal life in heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. The picture 
of the emptying of Christ that he gave of himself through great trial, through great affliction, through severe, severe pain. And he gave all of that, and he gave through his pain. And that because he did so, that we have been made alive in Christ. And, and, and make no mistake that the example still holds that in Christ's own life, that joy and sorrow could coexist because the sorrow that Christ experienced when he laid down his life for us is very much so overwhelmed by the joy that he has in knowing that every time that a person comes to Christ and believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and that he rose again, that Jesus knows that I will spend eternity with them. And that's joy because the Bible says, make no mistake, that Jesus is not willing that any should perish. That he came to seek and to save that which is lost, which means he came to seek and to save you. So guys, let's be honest. Walking through life, man, we're going to experience pain. Walking through life, we're going to have trials. Just like the church at Philippi, man, we're going to go through severe, severe trials brought about by our affliction. We're going to have those moments where everything has fallen apart. And in those moments, in those times, it's not when we come and say, God, why did you let this happen? God, where were you? God, why did you leave me alone? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he promises that he will be right by our side. He will come alongside us as the comforter. In this passage, he told us that even in our severe trial that we can have abundant joy. How? Because in our pain and in our sorrow that we abounded in the act of grace. Serve. Do for Christ. No matter how bad the day is, do what God has called you to do. And I promise you this, and don't take my word for it. Take God's. Take His word for it. Because what His word says is this, is that through your severe trial and through your affliction, that you will have abundant joy if we are found faithful. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Because God, we need to be encouraged. We live in a world today that is full of discouragement. It's full of pain, and it's full of suffering, it's full of sorrow. God, our own lives are just story after story after story of trial and tribulation. But God, we're so grateful that in the midst of all of that, the one constant that remains is that indeed you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we thank you that in our trials we can find joy. We thank you that in our afflictions, God, we can do and serve. We can go for you because, God, we know that it's in those moments when we do for others in the name of Christ is where we find the joy even when our life has fallen apart. God, I pray that you would just help us to understand that truth. And God, if there's someone in this room, someone watching or listening right now who's never come to that moment where they believed that Jesus is the very Son of God, that He died and that He rose again for their sins, and that while we don't deserve it, that God, You loved us anyway, that Christ died to pay the price that we never could have paid on our own. And God, if they're here today watching, listening, and they've never made the decision to believe in Christ, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died and who rose again, and he did so because he came to seek and to save me. 
God, I pray that right now in this moment, you would help them to recognize that's why Jesus came to save them. And that they would say, yes, God, I believe in this moment. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, we're gonna stand. Our team is gonna be gathered here. The altar is gonna be open as it always is. And I just encourage you in this moment that if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna encourage you in a moment to make your way down to the front, talk with one of our team members. We'd love to share with you who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe you wanna come and just kneel here and say, God, listen, I'm going through a trial. And God, I wanna experience joy in the midst of my trial. So God, give me the wisdom, give me the understanding to see what it is that you wanna do in my life. Maybe you wanna come and pray for a loved one. Maybe you wanna come and join our church family. Maybe you wanna come for baptism as we've seen and celebrated this morning with this family. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you as we stand and as we sing, I just encourage you right now, right here in this moment, step out and make a decision a decision for Christ. Charles, lead us. I count one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God that never left is working all things out. You're working all things Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. today we stand here and collectively and individually and personally we say God yes I will God we give you all of ourselves God we give ourselves to you completely and totally because God we know that without you we are nothing but with you God we have all the, the joy that comes from heaven above God helps to live our lives walk in this journey with you by our side God helps to always remember that you never leave us and never forsake us God I pray that you would use us today to impact others, to change others' lives. God, that we would serve you. God, that we would be faithful in doing what you've called us to do. Lord, help us to find that place of service. God, that place that that you have prepared for us. Lord, to lift up your name and whatever that might look like, whatever that might be, God, help us to remain faithful. God, we pray that you would Help us each and every day to recognize and understand your power and your presence in our lives. And God, that for that we would be filled. God, thank you for the promise of heaven. 
Thank you for Christ's death and his resurrection. Thank you that because of Christ that we have all the hope in the world. God, we thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, before you move, our altar remains open. We encourage you to come on down and talk with our team. Come down and pray if you'd like. Young people, you can go right out this door to my right, your left. And that what's really cool, you can go out there and have donuts for breakfast. And then five minutes later, you can have pizza for lunch right outside. We encourage you to come on out and bless us. Come back tonight, 6 o'clock, for our new song concert. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.